welcome everybody here to episode 46 of the used gamers um i'm jared uh here usually with my my co-hosts uh so chris and mike are here joining me guys how you doing steven pretty good fantastic all right excellent excellent and of course what do we got to talk about we got games to talk about so um we will be playing i think a few different things uh, but uh mike why don't you tell me what you've been playing first um so for me uh i i did get to try out um overwatch had a new uh special event that came out that was called uprising so it was another uh pve event which was kind of interesting so mm-hmm. but rather than fighting in kind of a horde mode like the uh revenge of junkenstein was this one was kind of horde modish only the opposite rather than sitting in one spot and defending against enemies coming at you you were actually moving through them to try to reach an objective and it was also very story based in the overwatch lore it was uh tracer was one of the characters you can play as it was her first mission uh it took place in king's row which is one of the maps that you play as and it kind of gave the storyline behind the gameplay of that map so it was it was pretty interesting it was kind of cool although i i wasn't that huge into the 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 new pve event although the best part about it was probably the new skins and uh and uh, <laughs> emotes and things that came out there were some really nice ones unfortunately i didn't get as many as i would have liked but uh, i got to do that that was really fun and then uh i got to finish up mass effect andromeda so um you know i i still stick by a lot of my thoughts that i said on the the last episode where i did the review i still thought it was a really great game and had lots of issues that they are continuing to put patches out to fix um I don't know. I've just been seeing a lot of it. It's just weird, all the stuff that's been going on with that. Because even now, they've started to release. There were these uh, alpha footage that got leaked like way back when that were actually from like 2014. And people have started taking that alpha footage and comparing it to what is the modern day Andromeda, which happened you know, like almost three years later. And the alpha footage, in a lot of ways, is actually better than what is is out now which some people are asking why, which is a pretty good question. Because you you imagine the alpha footage is supposed to be, or the alpha whatever is supposed to be, you know, this is like they're just starting out. It's going to look rather unpolished, and the end product is supposed to look at least somewhat better. And yeah, the facial animations, the character designs, the weather effects, all are better in the alpha footage. So it's just kind of weird. But um, overall, I, I still thought it was... It was a really great game. It was a lot of fun. It had a lot of major issues, which were really surprising from a company like Bioware. I, you know, the group that they had making it was the group that did the DLC from the original trilogy. So I don't know if that had something to do with it. Like they had this inexperienced group kind of working on it. But yeah, and then now recently Bioware announced that they are putting the Mass Effect franchise on hold, basically. As far as I could tell, indefinitely. Like we're, I don't know whether it means that Mass Effect is kind of done for, or whether they're just gonna kind of regroup. But um, the, all the developers, all the people that were working on Andromeda, have been moved to other projects. So uh, it's kind of unfortunate because I, I did think that Andromeda held a lot of promise. I thought it, or it was something that I really wanted to see what they would do next. I wanted to see what was coming up next, and uh, I wanted to kind of, you know get to know these characters a little more and kind of build the same relationships that you did in the original game while also meeting new characters. So uh, it is unfortunate to hear that, but I still thought it was a really good game. The ending, I will say, is very abrupt, and it does leave you with a lot of unanswered questions, which is even more annoying in the fact that they put it on hold. 
And, and to some extent, I'm sure they wanted to leave you kind of wanting more. And this game ends a little bit differently than the original trilogy, where the original trilogy, when you finished the game, you could go back and do missions you'd missed, but it took you back to a point before, like, the final mission. Because the whole idea is once you usually did the final mission in a Mass Effect game, like, there was no going off and doing other things after that. It was usually the end. In this one, it's different. Like, when you're done with the game, they make it sound like you still have tons of work to do because your job is still to make these golden worlds inhabitable. So you could still keep doing that after you finish like the final mission. Uh, so that's kind of why it, when it ends, it's kind of like, all right, let's go continue our work. And that's kind of it. There's not really like a, a wrap up to it, which I would have liked. Um, you know, I would like to have seen kind of some of the aftermath of your decisions. You know, obviously you'll find a lot of that out in the next game, but it would have been nice to have a, a little kind of a wrap up. And it, yeah, it just kind of ends. And then, you know, you can go off and do other stuff. So, hmm. uh, but I mean, you know, I'm still looking forward to hopefully what will be the sequel. Hopefully they do see a benefit and see that there actually are a lot of really good reviews. You know, I think a lot of people out there on the internet seem to feel like the same way that I did where they were disappointed. They were, you know, bothered by a lot of the issues and didn't understand why there were these issues, but they still, they still want to see more Mass Effect. So. But Chris, you've uh, finally gotten to get some really good uh, game time into that. Did you have any thoughts on it? Yeah, you know, it, it's it's what I've been spending most of my time playing. Um, some other stuff as well, but yeah, I mean, I'm I think I'm I'm about forty hours in. I think just shy of that, and I've got you know I've been to all the worlds and have started chipping away, done many of the vaults, which is kind of one of the main things is sort of unlock some of that habitability stuff and i've done more than half of the loyalty missions i think so i've really been plugging away at it and it doesn't feel as much kind of like homework as it did before which is good like where i was just like oh i have to play mass effect because i want to see what happens in mass effect not oh i'm excited i get to play mass effect was how i was kind of feeling with it before but then this sort of most recent kind of jag that i'm on it it's been a lot more positive as far as um, being interested in the characters, you know, I, I forget sometimes, and, and this happens to me in all these games, Dragon Age and Mass Effect, where I will just kind of find a couple of squad mates for the missions that I'm happy with, and I just kind of forget that I can swap them around when I want to. Like, I tend to put characters into their own loyalty missions if it doesn't force me to, um, just because it seems right. Um, but then I'll, I'll kind of forget, like, oh, hey, I forgot. I've got, I've got a Krogan in my party. They're always fun. I should put him in for a while. And um, I don't think I mentioned this to you guys, but um, I'm doing the thing with this game, which I've done with a lot of games the last couple of years, um, which is uh, knock the difficulty level down. So I am playing this now on the, what do they call it, Mike? It's narrative difficulty setting. Oh, well, it's not even a difficulty setting. It's more of like a, a different mode, I would almost even say. Yeah, so basically all this... Skip all, you skip really all the combat. I've never done the narrative thing. I've always been curious about it because they added it in, was it in Inquisition? or was it mass effect 3, mass effect 3. yes, yes. I think it was the first place they did it well i, I never tried it i was always curious about it so maybe that's not where i'm at because i'm still doing all the fighting like i still have all the combat nothing's getting skipped there but it's just i'm stupid op so like you know, <laughs> i've got like all of my upgrades and stuff are like i'm pretty high leveled 
maybe higher than I would be at this point. And maybe that's where the difficulty change goes. But I mean, like my even before I switched to difficulty around, I felt like the squad mates were like super overpowered. Um, and, you know, I don't know, maybe I was doing a lot of side missions at that point. But the, combat is like it's just a formality. So I, I'm able to just grind through that super quickly, which is fine because I like the combat, but I'm not like particularly thrilled about it. I don't think it's that much different than the other game. The jumping around and, and, you know, dashing and stuff is pretty cool. But um, that's, I think, keeping me moving relatively quickly. It's so funny, though, the way these games are structured. Like I still am finding myself, even though I'm, I'm like committing to saying, OK, I'm going to stick to these main story missions, the priority ops, I think they're called, and and the loyalty quest stuff. That's what I really want to get into, because that's going to be like kind of the meat of things, even though I know there's good stuff in the side quest. But I will still get my little attention pulled to the side by something shiny and go. Ooh, mm. So that's good. I think that's a that's a major strength of the game in that I've made a conscious decision. Like I am going to ignore this stuff. I don't want to do it. And yet I'm still ending up going over and doing that. So that's cool. Like, I think that's good. That being said, the other direction I'm feeling like I'm being pulled in at the same time is I'm it, it's I'm pushing there will be sessions that I'm playing in where I feel like it's it's almost like inexcusable, like the level of technical problems and lack of polish that I'm running into. Like I made the comment to Mike the other night that I feel like as the farther I get in the game, it's just getting glitchier and glitchier. And it's just, it's so distracting because everything else about it is so good. And um, <clears throat> I don't remember really having that problem with any of the other games in either of their two major series before. I'm sure I did, but not enough to remember it. And like, I'm having massive texture pop in issues um, on the planets and just not like game breaking um, levels of, uh, you know, just glitches in, in uh, like, cutscenes and stuff like that. There's a little bit of that. I posted a video to our Twitter account earlier in the week of a, I think it was a side mission with one of the Angara where he, he like he sort of phased into the scene in the exact same space that my character was taking. And it looked like he was keeping her in a bear hug. It was really weird. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a little, little unintentional love scene. But um, I have had to restart my system maybe a dozen times because the game has hard locked, which is very frustrating. And I've it, never had, I, I think there was, I never had to restart the system. I think I always was able well, to, to close the application. Yeah. And you know, actually I misspoke. I, I did have to restart my system once, but it, it's been restarting the game. You're right. Um, yeah, but yeah. Um, and that's happened a lot. And I'm just, and I even went back cause I said, you know, I'm maybe, maybe there's some like rose color goggles going on here. And I went through and I played, um, like the first hour of mass effect two, like uh, several days ago, just cause I'm like, I want to see this. And it looks so much better. Like it's, that's yeah. weird. And so, you know, every now and again, something will happen. I'm like, this is awesome. But you know, I'm like looking at a cool scene where the tempest is flying through the sky and then it just freezes while everything else is still moving. And then it kind of <clears throat> stutters and catches up. I was like, what is going on here? So, uh, you know, again, maybe that's just an issue of, six months from now, like all that could be completely ironed out, but it's, it's so distracting and, you know, but I, I guess it's to the game's benefit again. Like I'm not, I'm not stopping. I'm not breaking my disc in half. I'm not giving up. Like I still want to, still want to see where it goes, but I did think it was interesting when you mentioned to me, I was kind of poking and prodding for questions about like, okay, what do I, what do I need to not miss so I don't, you know, screw up my ending or whatever? And and I, I looked at a couple other resources, not for spoilers at all, but just for some sort of gentle hints in that way. Like, hey, by the way, don't 
don't skip, you know, blah, blah, blah. You'll really regret it. Um, there's not a lot. It seems like you have to do like you can kind of just plow through the, you know, the, the critical path to the end if you want to. And then, like you said, go clear a lot of that other stuff up, which I don't know, maybe surprising, maybe not. I'm just I'm I'm worried that what I'm going to be left with is getting to the end of this and then I will. I'll look back at this and I'll look back at the the amount of time I put into Inquisition and just sort of say, I guess I don't like the games they're making anymore, which would make me sad or not not like them, but not like them nearly as much as I used to. But again, I'm I'm not done with Inquisition either. I will go back to that at some point, you know, once the extreme deluge of amazing games decides to end, if it ever does. Um, it won't. <laughs> but it's but at the same time, like, I'm still having fun. And if I'm going to be playing a game right now, like that's the game I want to be playing. So it's weird. I can't remember being like pulled in two ways as much about a game like before in a really, like I've played games that I just thought were terrible and games that I thought were incredible, but this is like, it's doing both those things at the same time. So, so I do think a lot of the sort of hate was a little exaggerated, but I can, I can see it, you know, I can, I can get where that's coming from. But, um, I think if you just take it on its own merits and like you said, you know, just let those characters like develop themselves. There's a lot of really, really good writing in this game. And um, I, I do like the characters quite a bit. It, it's really good. So, yeah. And that's one of the things like I, that kind of baffled my mind a little bit is one of the major complaints. And I'm sure this is a lot of just, you know, the squeaky wheel or whatever, but was the, uh, was really bad writing and dialogue. And I didn't understand that. Like I, didn't really see any i mean there was a couple of lines here or there like of course the my face is tired is always the popular one people like to use there might have been one or two but i, I don't I, I i didn't see enough that made me think the writing was bad in any way or, or even the dialogue i thought the party banter was great when it worked properly um you know i, I didn't really get it and one funny thing is you know at the end you know i was trying to get through it really fast because i wanted to try to get it done in time for doing the podcast or something. Um, and I was trying to blaze through and I kept getting stuck on side missions. Kind of the same way. I did say they did side missions really well. It was a lot better than Inquisition where it was. the Inquisition, I got really bored with a lot of the missions and they just felt stupid and monotonous. This one is actually, the missions have interesting stories and they actually pull you. But one of the ones that everybody said, like, do not miss this one. And I had to even go to look up how to do it because I couldn't figure out was the movie night. And I'd almost missed it. And I went and I did it. And I do have to say, I was hugely disappointed with the movie night quest. I just, I felt like the ending of it was kind of boring and lackluster. And I felt like they were just trying to copy off of the Return to the Citadel DLC from Mass Effect 3. Where you got yeah. to see all of the different characters like in a more relaxed setting. But I felt that worked better because you had all the different characters from all the different games. You had these characters that you knew and loved and and watching them kind of out of their normal, what you see them in, in like this combat extreme situation to this normal kind of comfortable situation. It worked. This one, it was just, it just didn't work. It was weird. It was awkward. And I did not think it was something that I had to do. Yeah. But. It's, it's funny. Like I, 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 spend a lot of time on Twitter and I follow a lot of people that are like very, very invested into this series. And I follow all the main leads and all the main writers. And it's interesting to see, and they all interact with people a lot, which is really cool. And it's, it's funny because every time I see somebody kind of pooping on the game, I, I think like, 
come on, like you're 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 exaggerating a little bit. It's not that bad. But then when I see people getting like really effusive with their praise about specific characters, characters like, oh my God, Vetra is like the greatest thing ever. Like forget Garrus, she's the real thing. I look at those things and I go, okay, you're kind of smoking something too. Like it's 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 not that good either. So yeah, it's no kind of like, better than Garrus. <laughs> yeah, I can I can feel it. It it seems like it goes in one of two different directions. So I, I do I don't know. It's like sort of you know being a troll on the one hand or sort of fangirling on the other end like you know it, both of those are probably not as deserved as the extremes of it but in the middle no. of it i think there's a very there's a very interesting thing going on there and i'm just curious now that you said like with that studio shift um i can't remember did they and i would be shocked if they didn't i mean can you already buy a season pass for this game or no uh, I don't even know. Are they doing a season pass? I, I haven't heard I anything about even DLC, now, period. Are, so I just assume those things are available like launch day, and then they say, ah, we'll figure out the details later. And that's so the funny do. thing, because pretty much most of the people who made the game, they got moved to either uh, working on Battlefront 2 or the new IP that's the codename Dylan. Yeah. I guess we'll hear about it at E3. Um, I, I, they said something about like that that Bioware group, that the the one that turned into more support, I'm hoping that's for the game. Like that means that, I mean, I don't know if that just means like they'll pretty much just be putting patches out. Are they going to be doing any DLC for this, or are they pretty much? I mean, it says it's on hiatus, so that could mean no DLC. Period. Yeah, and I the stuff that I looked into after you sent me that article, it tends to the phrase that gets kicked around a lot is that they will provide live support, which I think is mainly going to be multiplayer stuff. Yeah. And um, and then also, you know, bug fixes and crash fixes and stuff like that. So I mean, that yeah. leads me to believe that, yeah, it's not really going to be about content yeah. creation. It's going to be about just, you know, keeping the thing running. And they still have a lot more patching to do because the, while they've been fixing like character animations and cutscenes and stuff like that, they've started pretty much at the beginning of the game, which is probably a lot of the reason why you're hitting more glitches as you play through. Because <laughs> they haven't started fixing that stuff yet. Yeah, I think they're fixing the game from the beginning on. Um, because obviously I think a lot of it has to do with a lot of the cutscenes and stuff that were used by a lot of these critics were from early in the game. Cause that was as soon as they were run into them like that. My face is tired. That famous one is like in the first 10, 20 minutes. Right. So, um, I think they've been working like from the beginning on. So I think that's why as you get later, you, you like, even I found out as I ran into later in the game, I ran into more and more glitches. So yeah, it's really unfortunate. I would have liked to have seen some some DLC, see them do some cool stuff, maybe have like the Quarians show up or something. Um, but yeah, maybe have some resolution on some of the stuff that happened in the main game. <laughs> but it really just kind of sucks because, I mean, w I would say we almost definitely will get more Mass Effect because I would find it hard to believe that they would just ditch the franchise that's so like successful and has so many followers, so many like YouTube channels dedicated to it. I I, I don't see them completely dropping it, but you know, the question is, is how long are they going to wait to make the next one? And then is the next one going to be like a sequel to Andromeda, or is it going to be another like soft reboot? Or you know, are they just going to be like, you know what? that didn't work out we'll do something different because I, I don't think it was like the andromeda the like the creation of that game and that character and that story that was really the the bad part i think it was more of the technical side so i don't think they should just ditch the characters in the story but yeah and, and again looking into some of that stuff too that you know and, and 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 some more of this information will come out in the future maybe near future maybe for a while but 
the fact that it does seem in some quarters that this really was kind of intended to sort of be a bit of a reboot for the series. And then relatively late in the game, some pretty like drastic changes were made and scope, you know, change of scope, change of focus, change of plot, like the kind of not like destiny levels of, oh, my God, we need to build a game in three months. But um, but yeah, I don't I don't know. Like this maybe is not at all the game that they might have started to make and of course that stuff i'm, I'm sure is going to change and but you know it's this is a super competent studio of, of people who who have a history of doing great stuff and you know on the one hand like i don't want to give them a free pass for the glitchy stuff because when i look at something like something like a skyrim or a bethesda game like there there are there are systems that have to work together in those games that are more complex than systems interacting in a bioware game so I, I can understand it a little bit better from a technical standpoint. But on the other hand, like it's, you know, like they've they've built a universe and I just want to see more of that. I was just in Montreal for work a week or two ago and I'm walking around wearing my N7 hoodie and getting smiles and like comments from people in the town. So, I mean, like <laughs> that city is proud of what they have put together. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's it's I, I'm very excited to to continue it through to the end and kind of see where it goes from there but other than mass effect have you been playing anything else this is kind of interrupting your what you've been doing so i just want to no, no, yeah i mean the only other thing i've really been playing was uh, i finally got a hold of uh, pillars of eternity um but i'm going to be doing kind of a review of that in a little bit so i'll save it but i will say in playing pillars of eternity i finally remembered why it is i hate steam because i haven't played a game on steam in forever and i picked up it was on sale on this uh, site called greenmangaming.com. Never heard of it before, but it was on sale for 16 bucks. So I was, I've been really wanting to play this game, so I snatched it up. But now I'm remembering why I hate Steam so much. Because every time I have to update Steam and log into Steam and I have to be connected to the internet to play, and it just really annoys me. Um, but yeah, so I'll talk a little bit more about that later. But uh, let's. We I guess we should maybe check in with Jared and see what he's been doing. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's not Andromeda, but I'm sure he's got something interesting to talk about. It's it's not it's not Andromeda still. And uh, <clears throat> you know the one one thing I'll I'll throw in my two cents wise for Andromeda is, and I, I feel like you see this at um, when a game series spans a console generation change is sometimes there's this struggle to create a game that is much like the game you created, but also to then take it to that next level. And that's the one thing I feel like I'm not hearing anyone say about Andromeda is like, this feels like the new, the new gen version of these games. They're just like, yep, it's a, it's a Mass Effect game. And, and I, th- I wonder if that's what they're cutting back for is that they just, they, they really might need to go back to the drawing board entirely because it feels like a it just feels like a PS3 game to a lot of people more than it feels like a PS4 game. Well, and so. that's the funny thing is because if you look at like I was talking about with that alpha footage and a, a lot of people have pointed out a lot of different stuff where it was almost like they downgraded it as they were creating it it was almost like they they downgraded the graphics and I can't yeah. understand why they would do that. Well, maybe I mean, it's the with, scope. Maybe yeah, it got I mean, too big. Yeah, with the facial animations, I know they they switched over to the algorithm, so that could be why the facial animations look better in the alpha than they do now because they switched from doing them all by hand to doing them in this big algorithm, so that could maybe be it. But part of me, and this is just totally me being conspiracy theorist, is wondering <laughs> if they if they dumbed it all down, kind of like you were saying, because you know we're at the beginning of this 
relatively beginning of this console generation. It's still early on, and there's still a lot more to do. So I'm wondering if they would dumb it down so that then they don't have to push it as far for the next game. Oh, no, I was just thinking that they couldn't keep up with th- that much content because the, the the universe is so enormous. There's so many worlds. There's so many things. I just, I'm wondering thing, if it just... I would... Too I much would coding or something. Say that, but there are certain things that do look amazing in the game. Like a lot of the world designs, the you know, the the ship, a lot of things do look beautiful on this. A lot of it just focuses on the actual people. You know, the characters, the the facial animations, the character, just the actual character design, some of the colors and the lighting that they use on this, uh, uh, but also weather effects and things like that just look kind of like meh. Like yeah. they look kind of almost last gen the one that i think is really funny is um and i don't know if i would have noticed it until i heard it pointed out probably on another podcast or seen on a video somewhere is the fact that um and when uh some of the other characters use biotic charge if you've like tossed a character up in the air with singularity or something when they go to do the charge it just puts that animation parallel with the character so if they're 20 feet in the air that character appears 20 feet in the air but in the same standing position that they would be in if they were on the ground. So it's this, like, it looks like they're standing on a plate of glass, just <laughs> horizontally, like, not, like, floating in the air like a space wizard, like they should be. It, it's And yeah. it's, it's funny now that I see it. It doesn't upset me. I just think it's silly. Um, but it's it's stuff like that. Yeah, that's kind yeah. of... Like, mm. So, I mean, that's that's the thing, is it's really, it's more of the character designs and stuff that it seems that they've kind of pulled back on. And that just doesn't, you know, they even changed the design of certain characters. It just didn't, doesn't make sense, you know, so I don't know. Yeah, so we'll see. And But, uh, you know, it didn't sound like a lot of big gameplay innovations either besides the jetpacks. But um, moving on from from Bioware, Mike, sorry. Um, I, I have been playing several games myself. I did play the Overwatch event, Uprising. I did think that that was a lot of fun. Um, I, I I think I was talking to Mike while we were playing it a little bit. This did suck me back. I haven't played Overwatch in a little while. That keeps fantastic. Um, I, I hate competitive shooters generally to be played competitively and because uh, I generally stink. And uh, <laughs> and I, I would like to see them get a, uh, a permanent... Um, PVE mode besides just the playing against computers version because they're the bots in the playing against computers version is just kind of uh, insanely easy. Like you, if you if anyone dies in the whole run, like you messed up basically. Oh, you mean you're playing in the pack test mode where the other team is is yeah. controlled by CP. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you were talking. About, I was like, what? There is no, no, but then I guess not, not in the event. The event was actually really. It had what four difficulties, and I I only got through yeah. the second difficulty. Um, from the bottom once it was it was hard no yeah. i i heard it was and that was the one thing i will say is that i i didn't have a lot of fun with the the new mode but i, you know, I had a friend of mine say it and i think i have to agree is if i would have gotten on there with like a group of of friends where there was four of us playing mm-hmm. um and really got to try it out and for any of you guys who are wondering basically the new mode is you can either do it story-wise where they pick which characters you get to choose or you can do there's a special mode where you can pick whoever but it's four of you and you have to fight through these objectives. So if you were to have you and like three friends and really play through like the hardest setting, which I think there was four levels. There was four. Yeah. I only got through the second from the bottom and that was hard. I mean, I heard the hardest level was, it was extremely brutal. 
So if if you were to get like all your friends together and play through that, it would be a lot more entertaining because you'd really have the challenge. You'd have to use the strategy. And I did have to agree with that. I did feel like if if I was to do that with friends and actually try to do those higher levels, I probably would have gotten more enjoyment out of the event than I did. But well, unfortunately, I, most of my friends who play Overwatch, besides you, of course, uh, have not really jumped back in it for a lot of the events. So. Yeah, that that's what often gets me back. But I don't know. I, I liked it. I thought it was cool. Um, I I also am going to be reviewing uh, Final Fantasy fifteen episode Gladiolus later. I did play through the entirety of that. Um, I've been just getting started with Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, just, br- I mean, I'm not ready to review this game yet, but just briefly, um, it's very very good. <laughs> Definitely, um, the, <laughs> I'm, I'm certain. I'm certain of that. It gives me that. You know, I find myself. Um, having to really be careful keeping track of time while I play because you could easily lose track of time uh, because you can just be like, you know, I'll just do this one. I'll just do this one little thing. And that turns into like 17 things, you know, because you keep just going up. Well, you know, that thing's just right there. We'll see what that is. And uh, there's a lot to do. And But it, it's a, what it probably makes me think of, you know, we always like to compare new series with old games, right? And it kind of makes me think a lot of Assassin's Creed Three. I'm not sure why that one um, meets Far Cry and a little bit of like Tomb Raider, just because of the bow stuff. I don't know. There's a lot going on. Like, there's a lot of crafting. There's a lot of uh, hunting. Um, I, conversely to Chris, for some reason, have decided to be a glutton for punishment constantly now that I'm not playing Dark Souls currently, and uh, I'm playing it on hard. Nice. And I'm really enjoying that because there's a lot of depth to the way you can approach this game like if you play it on the easier modes you could definitely just walk through with your bow but there are several kinds of weapons and ways to set up traps and things and i'm finding myself i feel like getting really good at this game because i have to um and i'm having to get creative and so it, it felt like a good choice for a game to do that with i'm, I'm enjoying that um that challenge it is hard some of the like some of the just monsters that wander around you know you just avoid, like you, you don't go after them because <laughs> some of them are so strong. And I, I imagine it would still feel that way for a certain degree on normal, but, um, but just for, for really quick for now, um, I'm definitely enjoying the game and I will, uh, I'm, I'm certain I'll get through it by the time we, we meet and chat again. Cause uh, I'm playing it like a lot, a lot. That's good. Um, I remember when, um, when I first started hearing people talking about their reviews, I think that specifically that that call out of um, adjusting difficulty was something that I remember hearing a couple different times because, because of the fact that, um, that, 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 that system, the systems you have available to you are so cool and can be so varied, but if, mm-hmm. that if you don't, if you don't kind of force yourself to need to use that stuff, it can become tempting to just rely on one or two things to the exception of that. And it's kind of to the detriment of the game because they actually have a lot of cool stuff in there that, you know, if it was easier, you could get away with skipping it. So that's good. I'm glad you decided to do that with that one. Yeah, I'm kind of enjoying it. And then uh, um, the, the one thing about it that is daunting to me, and I've, Chris, you've touched on this before, is the world is enormous. And I almost look at it and I'm like, Oh God, there's so much. And like every, you keep, I keep, I keep opening up like new areas. I'm like, Oh, there's more. Oh God. Um, like this, this game is, is, is pretty massive. And, and it feels like I could probably in large part, just stay on, on the story path and move through the game that way. But there's a lot of stuff on the side and, and playing it on hard. I actually feel like I can't, um, 
I feel like I need to do some of that stuff to, to level or to, to give me some advantages because you can get some better ability to like hack your enemies. You can hack the enemy robots, um, but only once you've unlocked the ability to hack them. And there are several levels of hacking. So, you know, early you can hack some of the tiny robots, but uh, as you get higher um, in that, you can start hacking some of the bigger ones. So I don't know exactly how far that's going to go, whether I can hack the like Jaimundo ridiculous, like dinosaur looking ones. I hope so. Um, Cause that's kind of, kind of cool. Like just robot animal dinosaur. That's just true. Um, so uh, yeah, so I'm enjoying that a lot. And then um, I also did um, finish dark souls two. So I'm increasing my dark soulsiness. Um, I'm playing Dark Souls in such a weird way. You know, I uh, if you guys are longtime listeners, you know I first played Dark Souls um, in our like punish each other, play stuff we think you'll hate episode we did I don't know, a long time ago, and uh, and I really liked it, but I didn't finish it. I got distracted by something I don't remember what, and then but I, I liked it. And then it was when Bloodborne came out, I was like, oh, this looks great, and and I like got obsessed with it. And then Dark Souls three came out, and I played that, and now I'm playing. I played through Dark Souls two. Um, and I never played Demon Souls, so I'm doing this in a really weird way. And uh, you know, Chris, you've you've mentioned how you think three is your least favorite. Um, uh, as much as I really enjoyed two up to this point, it is hands down my least favorite. Yeah, uh, uh, no doubt. Um, and uh, it, it's weird though because I can see some of the things they were trying that didn't really work. So I kind of understand. Like <laughs> it's weird. Like I like it for what it, it's done for me. Like because it helped build Bloodborne and Dark Souls three. Um, th- there's just a few things about it that are just uh, really unrefined. You know, one of, the, one of the feelings that we always have playing Dark Souls 2 is like, they're, they're never trying to be cheap. It's always just kind of like, you'll figure it out. And that was also true of Dark Souls 2, but less so. Like there were, there were some areas that you were just like, come, come on, are, are, are you kidding me? Um, and, and, and it was weird because uh, I think if I could put my finger on what I liked about it the least was that for me, in large part, I love the exploration and I like the boss battles. And um, that's that's the order for me. That's that's enjoyable. The exploration is the most fun part. And I found a lot of the exploration areas of this to be kind of ridiculous sometimes. Like they just had enemies that, you know, there's a part where they had enemies who would shoot magic at you that could home around corners and get you. And I'm like, and it, you gotta be kidding me. Um, and then the boss battles I found to be, tell me if you thought this, Chris, really easy. Well, the I think the main problem with the bosses, and I think you're right. I think both those criticisms are correct. The world design is a little weird. It's kind of like, um, it's like spokes on a bicycle wheel that kind of terminate in different places and don't really mm-hmm. connect to other stuff. Um, it's that's the first. It's the first game where you could teleport between bonfires. So there was Dark Souls and Demon Souls. Well, no, Demon Souls is not true, but Dark Souls is a super interconnected world. Um, mm-hmm. It, it all just connects to itself and, and dark souls two doesn't do that at all. So that's kind of a weird shift. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, the, the, there's like 43 freaking bosses in this game. There's way too many of them. And mm-hmm. because of that, like there's a good number of them that are just kind of like these, I mean, you know, whatever the souls version of a cakewalk is, it's still harder than the bosses in most games. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like I, I think back and if I had to name like, name five cool boss battles from the second game like that would be really difficult like i'd have to like really stop for a minute and be like okay let me sort of take a mental inventory of all this stuff because there are cool ones Mm -hmm. this sort of 
ghost chariot in a circular hallway that I still think is one of my favorite boss battles of the series. Um, just because it was so weird and different than anything else that I had played up to that point. I really liked that one a lot. But yeah, a lot of them are just sort of like, I mean, I, I think I, I aced more bosses in that game, you know, beating them on my very first try than in any of the other games. Definitely. Yeah, d- absolutely. I beat several of them on the first try and uh, um, which is weird. And, um, you know, I, the game just felt a little unresponsive sometimes, you know, there were times when I felt like I died and I was like, uh, uh, okay, I guess it wasn't your fault. That just doesn't work this time. Uh, it, it was weird. Um, you know, which, which is, you know, you know, and, and, and maybe part of that was having come off playing three, yeah, kind of straight into this game and, and that that wow like what a reminder of what a refined experience that game is like that game is is perfect like I, I i love it and um and and two was quite good but yeah i could uh and i'm playing the version that's better you know like this is the scholar first sin edition like they oh, they, yeah. they 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 improved a bunch of stuff they did but they also what's <laughs> it's funny to say it like they the difficulty spikes got shifted around a lot. Like they made some areas significantly harder, um, but then some like way easier for no reason. Like it's, it's very strange to try to figure out the reasoning of that, but yeah, that's a, it, it's an odd little duck. Yeah. And the same thing, like I've only played a very small amount of the vanilla game. And I think because of the way it's been patched, that doesn't exist anymore. It, do- so it doesn't No, we couldn't even play dark souls Two, the original version if we wanted to. Yeah. Uh, and then the only other thing about it that was really weird was that I found points um, that I just had to go look up YouTube videos, not like to help me fight bosses or get through areas, but because I was just lost. I just had no idea where to go. There's one point where you get a key. And as far as I could tell, even after having looked up how to do it on YouTube, there's no indication for where to take this key. You have to take it to these four giant tree looking things that actually are old giants that died. Oh, and yeah. I, I had to get help from people on PSN from that I was like, from co-op because like, I was just like what? I guess I'll just link up until I figure it out and like oh you have to go visit you have to go get the giant lord soul from the I was like wait what how was I supposed How'd to I do that yeah, yeah it seemed to have no explanation so I was like that was really weird and then the the other thing about it that was weird was um I know from playing these games the storyline of linking of the flame right and all that stuff but when I, I I reached the last boss in the game and I beat them and then all of a sudden there's this cutscene where like all the giants make a bridge for you to walk into the kill in the flame and then you just sit in it and and it just happened like there was no discussion of it in the game earlier the game was just like you better go get some boss souls because otherwise you're gonna hollow and then all of a sudden it was this like very epic seeming ending to a story that felt like it wasn't there and i i i only had an understanding of it from playing other games sure so that was bizarre and then it doesn't you know it leaves you with like a a, a cliffhanger too like do you link the flame or not and i was like oh okay i'll just oh no i don't decide it just ends okay it's just over well that's cool um, so there's, I, I think it's fair to make some criticisms of that game, but ultimately, it it was still really fun. Like I found myself playing it quite a bit, and I got th- through a lot of it. Um, I I know I played a lot of the content. I'm 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 fairly certain I probably missed some stuff because uh, there were some bonfires I didn't open up. Although part of that might have been that I I played very very little of the DLC because I got distracted by Horizon, which will consume all of my time. Mm-hmm. Uh, here for quite some time so uh yeah i've been playing a lot a lot of a lot of different stuff 
Well, there's a one thing I wanted to mention to you, which I thought is you know relative to your interests, um, and anybody anybody else who likes this stuff who might be listening is um the um one of the main podcasts that I've chatted about several times on this show, um, related to this game series that I really really enjoy is called Bonfire Side Chat. And um, that basically does this like extreme deep dive into all the souls born from software games. And um, they just announced um, as they they just sort of put out their content um, covering the Ring City DLC. So sort of the, the last bit of known Dark Souls content. Um, and they just announced, I think it was this week or, or late last week, that um, they've decided to end that show. Which in a way makes sense because there's there is no definite indication at this point that they're going to do anything else with that series i mean they've specifically said they're not going to um and and that's fine and they said if you know if any additional games come up that like a bloodborne 2 or if they just totally change their mind and go ah, dark souls 4 um they're just going to cover that on one of their other video game shows that they have on on that sort of podcast network that, that they run um but um one of the reasons i thought it was cool is because they were they were pretty down on Dark Souls 3 for a lot of different reasons. Um, but um, the way they're going to wrap that show up is um, they're doing what they're calling a victory lap. And they're going to go back and like do a retrospective on all of the games that they already played in the series in the reverse order that they covered them on the show. So like starting with they'll start with Bloodborne and then go to Dark Souls 2, then to Demon Souls than to Dark Souls, because Dark Souls was the reason they started that podcast. So it's just going to be like a, a super gushy, like, here are all the like super awesome things that make these games super awesome, because <laughs> we love these games. And I, I just think that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and then they're going to have Vadi and all the other guys from the community, like, be a part of all those shows. So I think that'll that'll be kind of a kick to, to go back through that stuff and God probably make me want to play through all of them again. <laughs> yeah, I'm considering when I'm going to do my Dark Souls one playthrough because I now really want to get through the entirety of that. But uh, part of me wants to wait and see if they put out a remaster, so I might just sit on it for a little bit. That's the rumor. Yeah, so if they do that, that would make me really happy, and I'll do that. So, <laughs> I thought of one more um, thing real quick um, before we we move into the review stuff. That was something I just wanted to mention really briefly, which was a really random thing that I happened to come across. Um, <laughs> I saw on, I, I think I've mentioned before, like my love of this website, cheapassgamer.com, that just, you know, anytime any game goes on sale anywhere, they basically have, you know, spreadsheets and computers that uh, notify you. And um, there was a very odd sale that happened um, through Newegg which I will occasionally order like techie stuff or games from them. But um, they have an eBay store and they had a sale um, that was uh, you get this pair of wireless headphones and Resident Evil 7 for $44, which all the people in the comments were saying, this is uh, fake. <laughs> don't don't give them your money. This is obviously wrong because that game's not that old then. <laughs> these headphones are like 80 bucks normally so this can't be right um so i looked into it for a couple days and i was like yeah that does okay wait let me i think i'm just gonna get this and um, um i i did end up ordering it i, I traded in resident evil because i'm too scared to play it so um <laughs> I, uh, I i took it to walmart and uh, swapped it out for neo so I'll, I'll talk about that game in the future i've just barely started that but um i just wanted to mention really briefly the headphones that i ended up getting which were totally like an afterthought i was really just like oh i can get a 60 dollars game for 40 bucks that's cool um these headphones are actually pretty awesome i think we all have headphones that we like a lot but um they're uh these are called uh what are they uh playtronics i think p80 
or the model number is weird. Gamecom 818H, I think, is also. But it is um, it is a pretty decent pair of wireless headphones. It has this cool thing where um, the um, the little chat sort of wand that you use to talk into, um, it just it can kind of fold up to the side of where the earbuds are, and that's how you can turn your audio on and off, which I think is neat. So if you're just playing a game, you just want to, you know, turn the volume down on your TV and don't really want to chat with anybody. You just flip the wand up. It shuts your your chat audio off. And if you want to talk, you just pop it down. There's there's no controls because there's no wires. There's no inline controls. And then it's just, just got like basic, you know, volume controls and stuff like that on one of the ear cups. But um, these things are surprisingly decent. Like I've got, the, I think Mike, I think you and I have the same Turtle Beach headset, right? The PX22 or whatever they're called. Uh yeah, well I have two different Turtle Beach. I have one that's for the computer and Xbox, and then one that's for the PlayStation. Yeah, and and I like those a lot. You know, wired headset. But um, right. I've gotten really used to now. Like this is cool. I can sit way back on the couch and not have to like, you know, lean forward at all. And granted, the cord on that thing is ridiculously long. I I can wear it on the couch too. But um, it's nice to just kind of walk around with it. The the base on it is incredible. Um, and the main reason that I mention them too is that if I look around, and maybe it's a result of weird sales like this, you can get a pair of these for like twenty five or thirty dollars on you know eBay, Amazon, places like that. So if anybody is listening and is looking for a pretty great pair of wireless headphones that I was not at all in the market for buying, um, <laughs> check out these uh, Gamecom P80s. These were pretty cool. <laughs> So an, un, an unplanned hardware review. There you go. That's, I mean, it's how it happens sometimes. Yeah. We got, I guess I've happened all the time. Um, but uh, to move to a more planned review and to Mike, cause now we've been, we were neglecting me. Now we're neglecting Mike. Um, <laughs> but uh, you did mention that you got to get your hands on pillars of eternity. I know you've been really excited about that. So tell us a little yes. bit about that. Yes. Um, so <sighs> a couple episodes ago, I was doing a, a review on sword coast legends and I was talking about how I had this kind of itch for, uh, the old school isometric camera class-based RPGs. And I kind of got that itch started when um, GOG.com had a sale and I ended up picking up the, the original Neverwinter Nights and Neverwinter Nights 2. And so I started, I was messing around with those. And while I loved both those games, I thought they were great. Uh, you know, it was just, they're obviously very dated. And, you know, I found myself wondering, like, if there was any kind of new stuff like nowadays, you know, that would be kind of like that. And of course there was, you know, Sword Coast Legends at, come out even though that wasn't very much the isometric or anything um and obviously that didn't really live up to what i was hoping for but in looking up stuff you know i found these uh this game called pillars of eternity which was apparently a very big game that i completely missed somehow uh so it's made by obsidian entertainment so they're kind of an interesting company that they've done a lot of games that i have liked in the past uh, but it's kind of funny that they've they've always done kind of like sequels or, or something so they did uh knights of the republic 2 which was a great game uh they did fallout new vegas and uh there were some other ones in there uh they did uh the stick of the truth um and but they've always kind of done a lot of stuff that was based off of you know other kind of things are and they so, doing dark uh darksiders 3 now too is that them no that's no. th Nordic. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Nordic's doing that now. Yes. In case you guys didn't look at our Facebook, yes, Darksiders 3 is actually happening. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, so, no, Obsidian Entertainment. So, uh, they then started this new game. Uh, it's Pillars of Eternity. So, they decided to do it through Kickstarter. 
uh, and it actually reached its goal of it was 1.1 million dollars was their goal objective you know and they reached it in just about 24 hours so it was one of the fastest times that anybody's met their goal in the end they raised about four million dollars on kickstarter which at the time was the highest that any game has ever made through kickstarter campaign so obviously a lot of other people felt the same way that i did that they really wanted to see something like this so um it's a really really great game so this the story is is your character goes through this kind of uh, mishap and um I guess I should talk about the one of the big main central themes around the game is is it deals with the souls of people. Uh, so in this world that Pillars of Eternity takes place in, it, it kind of they they talk a lot about uh, reincarnation. So the soul is kind of like eternal, and it just can you know, end up in different bodies, but you don't remember it. So because of what happens to your character, you become what is known as a watcher, where you start to become aware of all the past kind of lives that you've lived and you're also able to tap into other people's souls to look at like their past and uh you know see their deepest darkest secrets all these kind of things so a lot of the game revolves around this whole idea of manipulating and uh you know reading people's souls and things like that that's a lot of the big story and it follows along where there's this curse going on in the area where children are are being born called hollowborn and that's they're being born with no souls and it's happening to just about like everybody it's like one in every 10 kids is actually born with a soul all the rest are like hollowborn so it's like somebody did the genophage on them or something like that you know it's just it's this big huge threat that everybody is trying to find out a way to to solve the problem and so your character is kind of throwing it in the middle of this and and so you know, you have to kind of deal with it. And I'm just going to kind of go quickly over like the character creation because it's actually, it's it's very different than what you're used to in like a class-based kind of game. Um, of course, you choose male or female. No real difference there. It doesn't make a big difference. Um, but they, this isn't going to be like your typical D&D game. They have some of the similar races, but some different ones too. So you can still choose human and dwarf and elf. You know, every game's got to have those. Um, but they do have subtypes, which is kind of interesting. There's a couple of different human ones, but they're pretty basic um for dwarf you have a mountain dwarf which makes sense but then they also have boreal dwarfs so they're like more tree dwellers um for elves there's wood elf that's the typical one but then there's also like a pale elf which i guess lives in like ice areas and stuff kind of interesting uh but the new races are there's an amawa which they're kind of what they refer to as their replacement to a half orc it's their big massive race they're kind of aquatic in a way they always live like around water um then there are the orlins they're kind of like the halflings they're these little kind of wild looking pan kind of creatures uh and then they have these really interesting things called godlikes which they're it's kind of hard to even describe them what exactly they are um but basically they are uh it's kind of like i don't know it's really weird to describe them but uh, there's different types there's death fire moon and nature and, uh, you know, all the different races have different special abilities, you know, that would make you want to pick them. And uh, for the godlike, they have some of the best abilities, but, you know, of course, there's got to be a minus to them. Their minus is that they can't wear helmets because their heads are these really, they have these big protrusions and things. They look really <laughs> weird. I know. It sounds really funny, but they're actually really awesomely designed, especially the fire ones. They look really badass. So, um Anyway, so they can't wear helmets, which isn't really that bad because most of the helmets you find have no properties to them whatsoever. They're just cosmetic. So unless you just really want your character to wear a helmet, um, godlikes are pretty nice to pick. But anyway, so yeah, then you have... <laughs> what? 
Is it, are you laughing at my excitement about this? I, like, I, no, I that's not like a motorcycle safety thing. I just think it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, but it's just the characterization is one of the things I loved about it just because it's got some really cool stuff to it. But um, it's got a lot of your typical classes, but some cool new ones that I'll just mention. Like they have Chanter, which is kind of almost like a bard. You're like constantly doing chants that can either debuff enemies or buff your allies. Uh, and then if you do enough chants, you can cast spells. Uh, ciphers have all like mind affecting abilities, which is kind of cool. Um, let's see. And the rest of them are, are pretty ones you're, you're aware of, like barbarian, fighter, druid, wizard, rogue. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, with a lot of cool different abilities. One of the most interesting things about it actually is the um, attributes. Uh, let me get to where. So the attributes are very different in that they kind of work off of a different kind of thing than what you're used to. So they sound very similar to, to what you're used to, but they, they work differently. So it's might, constitution, dexterity, perception, intellect, and resolve. Um, the interesting thing about it is like in a lot of the D&D games, you can kind of min-max, like there's certain, what they call dump stats, you know, where you just don't even need them for this character. Like if you're going to be a rogue, you want a lot of dexterity. Um, you don't need strength or anything like that because you're just not going to use it. In this, there aren't really dub stats. Like all of the stats go to something that's actually really important. Like might, you would think of strength, so it's melee damage, but it's actually damage and healing. It just decides how much damage and healing you do, uh, period. So even if you're a mage, you might want a lot of might. Um, like intellect is, uh, it increases the area effect of your abilities and the duration of your abilities. So even if you're something like a rogue, maybe if you do some kind of wounding strike, you want it to last for a long time. So you might be want to be very high intellect. Different things like that. So I just think it's kind of cool how they kind of switched it up a little bit because how they put it is they wanted to kind of narrow the gap between a uh, like a, a optimal character and a viable one. So they didn't want it to be where if I made a character and wanted him to be kind of like even in everything, if I did that in a DD game, I'd probably reach a point where I would just suck. Um, in this one, it's not really the case. Like you can make a character that has a little bit of stats in everything, or a character that focuses on something that isn't what you would typically think that character would focus on. Like the character I'm playing through right now is a barbarian, and I actually did uh, a lot of high intellect because he does a big shout. So I wanted to cover a lot of area, but you wouldn't think of a barbarian have a lot of intellect, but it actually works really well for him. Um and then, you know, you can pick your culture, which affects a lot of the stuff in the story. You know, a lot of the things you pick actually will affect dialogue, which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, the gameplay is really, really great. The combat is is also very different than what you're used to. Um, you know, a lot of people think of nowadays using like aggro and stuff where you have your tank run out and draw in everybody and then they stay locked onto them. And, and then, you know, your other guys can do what they got to do. But in this one, it's actually they use what's called engagement. So whenever a character goes and starts attacking, like if you send one of your party members to start attacking an enemy, they engage them in combat, in melee combat. So there's a little line that gets drawn between them. And that means that they're kind of locked in. So if that enemy tries to move away from that, that character of your party, they get a attack of advantage. And the computer is kind of designed where they typically will not disengage because they realize that it'll be very bad for them so the ideal thing is to actually have your melee characters move in and engage all the enemies in in combat before your other guys even start doing anything so that they're not attracting attention so uh 
you know, it kind of helps out with, with dealing with that kind of, it makes for an interesting kind of strategy to combat. It's, it's a lot different than what is kind of more used to in current day RPGs. You know, it, it goes back kind of more to those older school ones where there wasn't like aggro and everything. You really had to worry about party placement and who engaged first and all that kind of stuff. So really, really cool. And, um, you know, all the different classes have really great abilities. They're all really fun and interesting to play. It does go by a rest system. So like if you're a mage, you can only use a certain amount of spells before you rest. And um, each character, you kind of have two modes of health. You have endurance, which is that's what you lose during a fight. So uh, it's how long you can last in a fight is your endurance. So if that goes down, you get knocked out. Uh, then you actually have your health, which just slowly ticks down after each battle. Um, and that only refills when you rest. Uh, and then you have to have like camping supplies in order to rest. So there's a there's obviously a lot of strategy involved in this, but it's a really great game with some really uh, great features and storyline is is really interesting. Um, all your party members are are pretty cool. They have a lot of interesting banter. Um, so it's very similar like a Bioware game that you might run into where party members interact with each other. They all have really great backstories. Um, and it's it's just a lot of fun. And if if you have any interest in a lot of those old school kind of uh, class-based RPGs with the isometric cameras. Uh, it's just beautiful in design. You know, they, like I said, they ended up getting like over $4 million in the end and they put it all to very good use. Uh, it's a really great game, a lot of fun and uh, a lot of interesting stuff about it. And they did announce that they are, or they've announced a while ago, they're making a sequel. It already went through its Kickstarter. Um, it got its, it had another, it had the same goal of a million and one hundred thousand dollars, and it reached it actually in twenty three hours, so a little bit faster than the first one. Um, <laughs> and then it raised, it raised, it was over four million, so they got about half a million more than the first game did. Um, so and and they've already started to show kind of alpha footage of it, and it looks it looks pretty amazing. Um, I'm very excited. They recently also were putting out that they are trying to kind of keep the. Uh, system requirements very similar to the original game which is awesome for me because that way i don't have to upgrade my pc because i fit right in the middle of the system requirements for this i'm not at the lower end but i'm not at the higher end so it was kind of nice in the middle so i'm hoping they'll stay at least close enough to it where i can i can run it um because it is a really great game so if you're into that kind of stuff i would highly suggest um pillars of eternity um to try it out before the sequel comes out is that um what is the sequel? Is that Tyranny or is that a different game? No, uh, Tyranny is also made by Obsidian. Uh, it's a different game though, which so I do. Awesome. I did also pick that one up, which I'll be trying that one out next. Which hopefully I'll be doing a review on that maybe next episode. Um, but no, uh, it's Pillars of Eternity to Deadfire is huh? the the sequel because there is a, a place called the Deadfire Archipelago, which you can actually pick as your origin area in the first game. It's like where pirates and stuff. There, it's like a pirate cove or something. So that's cool. And what is it? Turn-based fighting? I mean, it sounds no. a lot like, like playing D and D was turn-based within that and like moving blocks and stuff. Like, no, it's more like if you play like Neverwinter Nights or anything like that, you know, where it's, it's, it's real time combat, but you can pause. So kind of like a uh, dragon age inquisition or whatever, um, yeah. you know, uh, and in this game, you want to do a lot of pausing because mm -hmm. you have a very small amount of abilities um, and of course, you know, if you use them all up, then you have to rest or something like that. So really like you don't want your AI having a lot of control. You don't want your party members throwing out abilities when they don't need to. 
Um, so, you know, there are a lot of and any abilities that aren't done by rest are done by encounter. So for each fight you have, you can only use this ability so many times. Like there's no cooldowns, you know. So uh, it's it, you really have to be very strategic and very you have to micromanage a lot. So if you're kind of more into the games where you can just run out there and let your party members go and do whatever they want and have fun with it and you don't have to really micromanage them at all, um, this might not be the one, uh, you know, but I, I kind of I kind of like it. It's it's a lot more strategy to it, which is fun for me. That was one of my complaints about actually um, Andromeda was that there is like zero micromanaging in that. Like you can't really tell your party to do anything but move here. Um, so yeah, but very, very awesome game. That's sweet. That sounds really good. That does really tickle those D&D vibes quite a bit, which is always cool. And at the same time, it's, it, it's very different as well. So it's kind of cool in that it, it, it satisfies that craving while also giving you something very new and different. That's pretty sweet. I was going to ask, um, you know, having in a world where we, you know, played Diablo three on our consoles and, you know, these games have their history in PC, you know, one of my favorite games ever is the Baldur's Gate dark Alliance game that came out for Xbox and PS. Mm -hmm. Like, I love that game so much. I mean, does, does a game like this translate to a controller potentially? I know, um, I know Torment, which is a similar sort of game. That's sort of mm -hmm. a spiritual reboot of Planescape, um, is also a game that you can get for console. I mean, can you see? Because realistically, like I'm, I'm just not gonna play these games if it can't be played on a console. Because I just, I don't do that. Mm -hmm. so, like, could that work, or is it something that really just doesn't work with that kind of interface? Do you think? I think it can because like with uh, like with Dragon Age Inquisition, you know, they had it where when you moved into the tactical camera, it got like that top down view, which was a little bit more reminiscent of these old school RPGs. I feel like it can, but at the same time, it just it just works so much better with a mouse and keyboard. Um, but the interesting thing is a lot of the newer consoles, they have the ability to support mouse and keyboard on most games. Um, like even I, I read something a little while ago that Overwatch was actually dealing with problems where they were starting to try to make it to where people couldn't use a mouse and keyboard when playing on console, because I guess there was some talk about it giving them an unfair advantage over people playing with uh, a controller or something. I don't know. I don't really know if that's the case, but, um, so it, it is possible to use a mouse and keyboard on that. So, I mean, that would be great. I mean, that's, I, I love these kind of games and I, luckily I have a PC that is, when I bought it, it was pretty upgraded. Um, so it's been keeping up with a lot of, of the more recent games. Uh, but uh, as I, I dread having to up, update it. That's why I was so worried when I started really getting into this. I'm like, great, I'm going to love this game. and I'm really going to want to get the sequel, but I'm not going to be able to because it's going to re require some system requirements beyond what I have. Like even Tyranny is actually, be the system requirements are beyond what I have, except for I have double the RAM that it needs. Um, so I'm able to run it. You know, I'm just kind of under what I need. So I think I'll be able to run it. I might run into some problems if there's a lot of visual effects on the screen. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. Hopefully it'll work okay. Um, but I was really worried about the, you know, the second pillars not being able to run it. But it looks like if if what they said is they're really going to do, they're going to stick close to what the requirements were for this, I should be able to do it. Um, but it would be nice if they did more stuff, gave me that option for console, I do feel like there's been other games that I've played 
that were originally made for PC, and then I played it on console, and it just didn't work right. Mm-hmm. Right. And even for like uh, the original Dragon Age, it came out free on Steam. Somebody gave it out for free, yeah. And so oh, I got to play it on. Yeah, I on ended PC. up with that somehow too. <laughs> yeah, I played it on PC, and it actually I was kind of really enjoying it on PC. I thought it made the game so much better because I, I think sometimes those kind of RPGs like that, I, I just feel. I don't know. It just feels more natural with a keyboard and a mouse. Do you know what your total game clock was? I always ask this question. You know that. On what? On pillars. The, yeah, pillars. Pillars. I haven't finished it yet. Um, hmm. I'm not sure if they have a game clock on this. Uh, I've been playing it for a while. It's not very long. The um, uh, what should we call it? The level cap is actually twelve. Um, so the, the whole idea they, they were trying to make it is when you get a new ability or when you get a new level, it's, it's very, very meaningful. Like it, they are big bonuses you get. Um, but you know, you do have to kind of pick and choose. Like you only really get like one new passive ability or, or active ability each time. Uh, and you don't get to boost your stats at all. So you really, really have to make sure that you're, you have an idea of what kind of character and how they serve in combat. Um, so it's, it's not an exceptionally long game and, uh, I've heard tyranny is even shorter. Like a lot of the complaints about tyranny were that it's really short, but even the developers said they kind of designed it with the idea of like, we're adults now we have kids. We understand we can't play these 60 plus hour RPGs anymore. So they wanted something they could complete in a few weekends, which to me sounds awesome because now I have a kid, so I don't get a ton of time. <laughs> to play these. So it's nice when I can actually play and, and really kind of blow through them and, um, like this game, it it doesn't have like while you pick up quite a few quests, it doesn't have the massive list that you would get in like a Dragon Age Inquisition or in Skyrim, you know, where you have this list of quests. You're like, how am I ever going to complete this? It's it's a lot more shorter, and the quests are a lot easier to kind of complete. One interesting other thing about it, I will say, is that the HUD is very basic. There is no quest tracker in that telling you where exactly to go. Like, you know, there's a little marker on the horizon saying, this is the way to this quest. Like, you actually have to pay attention to your journal and read up on it. And that's the other interesting thing about the journal is there's this thing called the bestiary, and that's actually how you gain experience. You don't gain experience just by killing individual enemies, so you can't just, like, grind through stuff. The only way you get experience is by completing quests and by filling out the bestiary. So once you kill a certain amount of creatures, uh, the bestiary is filled up for that creature, and then you no longer gain experience from killing them. Uh, but th- the great thing about it is, is the bestiary is going to tell you everything about that creature, so their strengths, their weaknesses, and and what you need to do to, to combat them. So it's kind of an interesting... So when you're fighting through a certain area, if you notice the certain creatures that are always showing up, you it's a good idea to go into your bestiary and figure out, okay, what different weapons do I need to equip? What kind of spells do I need to cast? So... Really kind of cool mechanics and different, different than what you're kind of used to, but still really awesome. Yeah, that's a lot, a lot of innovation. Sounds like in that game, that's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. That's cool. But uh, so running from a very old school RPG to a very new school RPG, I did get to play the first piece of DLC for Final Fantasy 15, which was Episode Gladiolus. Um, so <clears throat> this does feature, like the name suggests, just Gladiolus. He is the only character of the main four that is in it at all. Um, story-wise, it does fit in in a portion of the game where he kind of disappears briefly and comes back. And then everyone's like, what were you up to? He's like, oh, nothing. 
and he's, <laughs> he's he's the only thing you know is that he's got a new scar on his face. I'm like, okay, and they don't really talk about it. Um, so you know, it does fit into the to the the existing story. Um, it doesn't really, in my mind, affect the story too much. It, it is an interesting story you go through um, about what he goes through at that time. It does expand upon his character, which which the characters in Final Fantasy fifteen are really important. So that has some value to it. Um, the gameplay is is a little bit different, which is one of the things that interested me about the game is that uh, you know you're not playing as Noctis, so you know you don't have magical powers um, to the ability to teleport, uh, most notably, um, like he does. So um, you use a sword and shield, whichever what he uses in the game, and what that means is that not only can you not teleport to dodge but that the blocking mechanic is different where you can only hold your shield up for a while before you run out of stamina um and the only way you can do counters is by actually just lifting your shield at the right moment before you get attacked now with noctis you can kind of dodge and then there's a counter prompt but you can kind of dodge constantly so it is really different and then additionally gladiolus uses great swords which you could use for noctis but i never did so um, the gameplay also had a very slow mechanic into the attacking. So it was very, it was much more deliberate and um, required more precision than playing through the main game. Um, additionally, uh, you did have one companion go with you, which was a side character. His name I think is Kor. Um, they call him Kor the Immortal because he's like apparently a basically unkillable warrior. And he kind of takes you there, but you, you basically have to do everything on your own. So it's also a single-player fight, which is really different. You know, the, the link strikes and um, being able to call on your, your party member's powers uh, was really a way to affect and turn the tide of battles quite a bit in 15. So you didn't have that either. So it had this interesting kind of isolation to it. Um, it, was, it was fun. I liked it. It was very short. It's probably like took me like oh, two hours to get through. Maybe less. Um, it's really, really short. Um, the only other thing that came with it is there's actually like um, these kind of weird arcadey time trials to where you have a limited amount of time that you can try and run through the entirety of the DLC and you can build up these multipliers to try and make these like huge, it's like a score attack thing. Um, I don't know. I tried it once, it didn't really interest me. Um, there are some achievements for it that I will never get and I don't care because uh, they're like insane. Like I think I did one run through. You have like, I don't remember how long, it's like 20 minutes or a half an hour and the, the achievements are for hitting like half a million and a million points and I think I was, I, I think I was at like 80,000. I don't know, something pathetic. So I was like, this isn't happening. I'm done. Um, I did, But I did enjoy the DLC quite a bit. They also teased right at the end um, just a little thing for uh, next is actually going to be um, episode prompto so it looks like they're going to do one of these for all the side characters um, in the game so um, you're going to get a little a little more uh, backstory which which is something that they they did with final fantasy right they had the they had the side game uh, they had the, the the movie and they had the the um, youtube series and all this stuff so it's just adding a little more depth to these characters um, that if you're really into this game, uh, I think you're going to like getting some more of it, you know, um, especially if you're where I was, where, you know, you had hit that level 99 up to 120, but that means nothing. And when you're level 99 already, <laughs> you're so powerful. Um, so I haven't bothered to level up anything past 99, but um, 
you know, if you've done everything and platinum the game just to get some more is really, really fun. So I was excited about that. I also did, um, this kind of came out, I think with it, or maybe in a patch before it, I did play the expansion of chapter 13, um, which is one of the things a lot of people didn't like it isolated, knocked from his party members. It was the only time you play by yourself. Your weapons are limited. A lot of people didn't like it. Um, for me, I, I I was kind of frustrated with it, but I found story-wise it was really interesting because to lose those things you had, like uh, I, I found it more intriguing than other people did. But what this they the they didn't actually change the Noctis part. What they did is they showed you what his friends were doing while they were separated from him, and they used that to fill in some of the parts of the story that I, I didn't think were unclear. But I guess they wanted to. The, the, there were a lot of things that were implied in that section and I, you know, I, I inferred them correctly. I bet a lot of people did, but um, they, they spelled it out for you. Like, this is what happened through all these things. And um, so it's kind of interesting to, to play through that as well. That was really, really quick. That was like 20 minutes. Um, just a tiny little thing they threw in there. I think just to, to give the fans a little bit of something I think they've been asking for, which is more of a, like, what's kind of going on here. Um, so, Still like the game, more to come <laughs> with some more DLCs looking forward to in the future. I think it's still, I think we're still at least a month out before episode prompto. So pretty good, pretty good. Either you guys have any uh, intention of maybe playing 15 at some point? I know Chris, you touched I mean, it and then reminded never... that I own it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know about me. I've, I've just never really been a huge Final Fantasy fan, but I guess I would check it out if I had the opportunity. Nice. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so we played a lot of games. Um, it was pretty fun. So, uh, uh, we are going to be moving on here. I think, uh, coming to you guys soon, we're coming up on E3. So I'm sure we'll have much to say on that here shortly for you guys as well. Uh, we'll certainly keep an eye on the coverage for that. Um, as always, you know, we're looking to hear from you guys. If you have anything to say, uh, to us, we certainly want to hear you on Facebook and Twitter or where, we stay uh, somewhat active, so certainly hit us up with that. Do you have any thoughts on these games, games you'd like us to cover? Uh, anything. We want to hear anything and everything from you guys. We love chatting with you guys. So um, thanks for being a part of that with us. And uh, once again, signing off for These Gamers, I am Jared. I'm Chris. I'm Mike. And we're These Gamers, and we will see you guys next episode. Good night. My dog just decided it was really fun to kind of scratch her paws on the carpet and make a really loud noise while I was trying to. <laughs> if you're going to be in the podcast room, you got to be quiet. That's right. Everybody knows the rules. It's the rules. <laughs>